I really enjoyed speaking with the A-Lifts and with Mr. Seth Sunberg. Um, man, his story is powerful. Seth was a guy who, you know, got to play in the NBA, mm-hmm. right? Um, played in 10 different European countries. Mm-hmm. Um, found himself in a prison cell because he thought he could take on the IRS and represent himself in federal yeah, court. Yeah, not, not a great choice. He uh, is a good example of the manifestations of pride mm-hmm. in his old life, you know, as we all are. But he admitted, you know, on the podcast while he was sharing his story that it was his arrogance, really, that thought, sure, I could take on the IRS and represent myself in federal court. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's laughable, you know. But, um, you know, he did it. And so um, he lost, but he, he, he indeed tried. Um, and he said it was because of his arrogance. So, you know, on the topic of humility, right, which is the opposite of pride, um, I think it's a good way to to sort of get us ready for this conversation, which we're going to wrap up the manifestations of humility today. And we've done in the past some character studies before we got into the manifestations of pride and the manifestations of humility. And during our manifestations of pride series, we looked at Satan, right? Mm. Because he is the uh, archetype, if you will, Mm. of the prideful, uh, rebellious sinner against the holy and meek God. And we understood, like, the Bible tells us that Satan fell because his, he was corrupted by his wisdom and his beauty. Yeah. You know, he thought that he could make himself like the most high. Mm-hmm. And so that is literally the epitome of pride and arrogance, right? And yet that is what is contained within the heart of man. We fell in the garden for that same lie. Mm-hmm. Satan said to Eve, when you eat of that tree, you will not surely die. You'll be like God. God's lying to you. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want you to be like him. He's trying to protect his own power. He's holding back. You see how just twisted that is. Mm-hmm. And so we looked at what the manifestations of pride looked like. And now, we, now we're now we going to look at what the manifestations of humility look like. And we talked about Peter. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Jesus, right? I don't think any conversation on biblical humility can be discussed without mentioning the one. Right. The Messiah. The right. Christ. And so we're going to look at just two texts briefly today before we just get into our list because we got to cover some ground today, Chad. Mm-hmm. But we're going to look at first what Jesus said in his introduction to his sermon that is commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And in his introduction, he is revealing the heart attitudes of those who inherit the kingdom of God. And remember, he is speaking against Pharisaism. He is speaking against the self-righteous traditions of the Jewish people of his day. And he is showing them what a true, humble, godly heart indeed looks like. And then Chad's going to read chapter 2 of Philippians as it describes Jesus and his heart. 
Mm-hmm. And it's not the only place that Jesus' heart is described in the Bible. In fact, Jesus himself says in Matthew 11 that he is gentle and lowly of heart, mm-hmm. right? So let's let's get into the introduction of the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 5 of the book of Matthew, starting at verse 2, says, And Jesus opened his mouth and taught his disciples, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Oh, that's that's talking about our book Ecclesiastes right there. Mm -hmm. Verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So that describes the heart characteristics of the truly humble people, Mm -hmm. the people who will inherit the kingdom of God. Right. So that's for us. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about Jesus himself. Well, and what Jesus is saying there is the example that we're to follow in him. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5, says it this way. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God was highly exalted, has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the, at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here we see Christ, who had every right to exalt himself above everyone else, because he was God, but instead he chooses to make himself even lower than a servant, mm. even to the point of death on a cross, so that every knee who bows and confesses Christ as Lord could be saved. And that's the mind that we should have among among ourselves to represent what Mike read in the Beatitudes, this humble, lowly heart that understands the depravity of our sin and exalts God above ourselves and worships God as Lord. Yes, and this portion of scripture that you just read, you know, is commonly referred to as the kenosis, right? The the Greek word meaning self-emptying. It's the mm-hmm. that's the big theological term for it. It's the the self-emptying of Jesus, right, mm-hmm. in his incarnation. And I think it's important to bring up because we have discussed like faking humility and being mm-hmm. humble, right? If you realize that you're a humble person, you're not a humble person, mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> like Jesus said, I am gentle and lowly in heart because he truly is a humble person, mm-hmm. right? But we don't tend towards humility. We tend towards sin. Right. That's what we are prone to drifting towards, yeah. right? So it would not be right for any of us to say, I am a humble person. Yeah. <laughs> I am gentle and lowly of heart. Right. Come all to me yeah. who, are, who are weary and heavy laden. We don't get to say that. No. We get to say, go to mm-hmm. Jesus. He is the one who is gentle and exactly. lowly of heart. But we should reflect his image, right? 
And I just want to read, I'll read directly out of the study notes from the John MacArthur Study Bible, and then we'll move on. But I want to just teach a little bit of doctrine here, just reading this here, because I think it's instructive for us. So in the doctrine of Christ's self-emptying in his incarnation, uh, we see a couple of things. Number one, Jesus did renounce or set aside his privileges in the following ways. Number one, in his heavenly glory. While on earth, Jesus gave up the glory of a face-to-face relationship with God and the continuous outward display and personal enjoyment of that glory. Independent authority is the second one, the second area that he gave up, his independent authority. During his incarnation, Christ completely submitted himself to the will of his Father. The third area was his divine prerogative. He set aside the voluntary display of his divine attributes and submitted himself to the Spirit's direction. Y'all remember when he was baptized and then it says that the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness to be tempted, right? Mm. That's an example of him setting aside his divine prerogative. The fourth area that Jesus set aside was his eternal riches. While he was on earth, Christ was poor, like literally poor and owned very little, right? The foxes have holes, the birds have nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You want to follow me now? Mm -hmm. Right? That's what he said to the rich person. And so those are just a couple of different areas that we see where God in Christ um, actually set aside. He emptied himself of his deity. But there's other portions of Scripture where clearly his deity was made manifest. The Mount of Transfiguration, Mm -hmm. how he could read people's minds, Mm -hmm. uh, how he could walk on water, how he could do many, many things. Calm the storm, feed 5,000. Right. So right. So raise this, the dead. Raise the dead. Yeah, we can't forget that one. <laughs> right. Raise the dead <laughs> with a word, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yes, Jesus was God and he was man. This is a mystery, right? Um, it's perfectly reconciled in the mind of Almighty God, and yet in our minds, which are puny and insignificant seem in, in, in the comparison, we can't reconcile those two things. Mm-hmm. But we don't need to be able to explain them scientifically. We just need to understand that Jesus is who he says he is and that he is able to save those who cry out to him. Mm. And that if we humble ourselves, which is through the fear of God, through the confession and repentance of sin, right? He will exalt us. Mm-hmm. He is against the proud, but he does give grace to the humble. Those who, hum- those who exalt themselves, it says, will be humbled, mm-hmm. right? So let's finish our list off, shall we, Chad? Yeah. Let's so today we're going to, we've got a lot to cover. We've done the first 10 manifestations of humility as found in the book From Pride to Humility, A Biblical Perspective by Dr. Stuart Scott. And today we're going to start with uh, number 11 and we'll finish up to number 24. Now these aren't exhaustive. There's other ways humility manifests itself, but this is a great starting list to, to see and understand maybe some areas where we fail in this way. And so... Number 11, the scripture for this one is going to be Proverbs 11, verse 13. is a good scripture reference for this one. And number 11 is humility manifests itself by talking about others only if it is good or for their good. Talking about others only if it is good or for their good. A humble person will speak well of others, not negatively. He will convey something negative about someone only if he must do so in order to help that person. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. Yeah. So we are to rebuke one another in, in our sin or help one another, but mm-hmm. we reserve those times 
and and a, and we come in a way of humility, of gentleness, truthfulness. Yeah. Right. But we don't gossip or slander. Right. We don't do that things. publicly unless, of course, we're following Matthew eighteen. Right. 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 We don't start publicly. Yeah. We we try to go one on one and win a brother or right. two on one, and if it that person continues in a sin, then yes, we have to bring it to the church at that point, mm-hmm. church discipline. But that is not our goal. Right. Right. Number 12, another way that humility manifests itself, and a scripture reference for this one will be Romans 13, 1 through 2. This manifestation is being gladly submissive and obedient to those in authority. Being gladly submissive and obedient to those in authority. Humble people are first of all obedient to God, and then the authorities over them. Read Romans 13, 1 through 2, and we'll talk about it. It says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Yeah. And this one's a a tough one sometimes to wrap our minds around because— you know, many of us would disagree with the way our government does things. And a lot mm-hmm. of things that our government's doing currently is against the scriptures. So how do we reconcile that mm-hmm. idea of submitting to those authorities, even when um, they're not abiding by the, the law of the Lord or yeah. the scriptures, right? Well, I guess I could start with a couple things. Yeah. I mean, number one, let's just lay down the principles that scripture itself teaches. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, we are, we are to obey unless it tells us, uh, unless the authority is telling us to sin against God. Right. Number one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, we are to obey in those gray areas, mm-hmm. right, quote unquote, uh, if it does not violate our conscience, which is being renewed and informed by the law of God. Mm-hmm. You see? So that's that's really it. Yeah. Um, now, the governing authorities is the key to that whole phrase. Yeah. A lot of people mistake the president for the governing authority. He's not. He's one of three dis- distinctions or delineations right. of the authority that the Constitution in our country gives, mm-hmm. delegates to those bodies. So right. the governing authority in this country, in America, is actually the Constitution. Mm-hmm. But when Paul was writing this, it was the emperor, right? Yeah. It was the king. And by the way, he's writing this in a time when the, it was an evil emperor. <laughs> Very evil. Yeah, they were experiencing great persecution. Rome was not taking tax dollars and using them for anything godly. And yet Jesus says... Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. I mean, that's right. a mind-blowing thing to think about. And here's why. This really comes back to your submission to the Lord. When you understand that he's sovereign, God allowed and put those authorities in place for his purposes. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a tough thing. But a truly humble person says, I'm going to submit as much as I can because this is who God is allowing at this time to bring about the end, which is his return. Yeah, yeah. Right? And we know if you read the scripture all the way through, it's going to get bad. Well, even look at the cross. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. The governing authorities, both the Jewish governing authorities mm-hmm. and the Sanhedrin and the Romans, and the Romans, they accomplished through their wickedness the plan of salvation for God. Mm-hmm. You see, so God is able. Look, right. God doesn't bless evil rulers. Okay, mm-hmm. so a lot. I've heard a lot of people take this scripture and go, "How could God ever?" approve of that right right but that's just a gut reaction to what you're hearing mm-hmm. right that's that's like rebelliousness coming out mm-hmm. and i'm speaking from the heart like myself this is right. something i've had to work through hard mm-hmm. in, in my whole christian life but the point is is that 
God is able to take what is meant for evil and use it for good, mm-hmm. right? That's Genesis 50, verse 12. God is able to take, is it 20? It's verse 20. Mm-hmm. God is able to take what is evil and use it for good. So, so again, if you're listening to our podcast series on Ecclesiastes, you don't know what's going to happen five minutes from now. Right. Like entrust yourself to the sovereign God right. is really the principle that's underneath all of this. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, we can go into the details of that times to disobey and different things, but that's not what we're doing. Go today. read a book. It's called When to Disobey. It's written by a 16th century reformer. Mm-hmm. The quick short answer is you don't really get to disobey ever, really. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Number 13. Another manifestation of humility is preferring others over yourself. We see this in Romans twelve ten, Preferring others over yourself. Humble people are willing to put others before self without first considering their own rights. Love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. I love that. Outdo one mm-hmm. another in showing honor. Yeah. We have such a mindset in our pride of me first, then you. Mm. And... The Bible turns it on its head. It's others first, you last. And that word outdo, you know, it's um that's a very specific word. I mean that 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 implies effort, intensity, mm-hmm. desire, right? Outdo someone. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna outdo you in showing honor to my brother, you know? Yeah. It's just a wonderful word. I love how Paul used it. Yeah, for sure. So that idea of preferring others over yourself is a manifestation of humility. Number fourteen. Another manifestation of humility we'll see in Proverbs 9, verse 8, is being thankful for criticism or reproof. Being thankful for criticism or reproof. Humble people view reproof as good for them and consider that God may be trying to teach them something. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Yeah, it's a it's a good thing that like you already know if you're humble that you are sinful mm-hmm. and you have blind spots areas you don't even see that you're sinful in and so when a brother who loves you comes and points that out we're thankful for that right because it's an opportunity to grow in our relationship with god yes and so we should uh, welcome that reproof another manifestation of humility this is number 15 and we see this in first corinthians 4 7 um is having a teachable spirit. A humble person has a teachable spirit. Humble people realize they don't know everything, and even when they think they are right, are willing to consider that they might be wrong. They also know that God can use anyone to teach them, since he was even able to use a donkey to teach Balaam in Numbers 22, uh, verses 22 through 35. They have many people they admire and respect. So a humble person has a teachable spirit. What's 1 Corinthians 4, 7 say, Mike? It says, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you have received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Yeah. <clears throat> we we know we don't know everything. Like a humble person starts out saying, I don't know everything. There, there may be things that I am unsure of. There may be things, obviously in Scripture, we read the Bible our whole lives and continue to learn new things. That's wonderful. <laughs> right? That's wonderful. So... We have a teachable spirit uh, if you're humble. Yeah, in sports, they call that being coachable, right? Right, right. And you get better. Right. And amazingly, well, you get better when you're teachable. The coach knows something more than you. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and this, in this context, God knows way more than we know. You know, it's interesting. I got to coach uh, St. Paul's rugby team for a couple yeah. of, just for a couple of years, just in, this, in the weight room. 
And um, I don't know what it is. Like, I, I would always watch the interactions between kids and coach, you know. Mm. And for some reason, I saw, like, this difference when, when I was t- talking to him. I shared my God. I, sh- I shared my entire story with him. You know mm. what I mean? I got real with him mm. and, like, just let him know, like, look, this is what I've come from. This is what the Lord's brought me from. And, and then I would just, like, grill him, right? Like, yeah. I've worked him real hard, you know. Yeah, yeah, but there was, like, a mutual level of respect there. And I'm bringing that up simply because... Sometimes in our approach to our brothers and sisters in Christ, we can come off a little harsh and not gentle, right? Mm-hmm. I certainly do that. And, you know, the response that we get from certain people sometimes could be different if we approach them in humility, right? We might receive a more humble response when we approach a brother and sister in Christ in humility, right? I, I said I shared my story with those kids. I didn't need to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. I could be like this reserved coach. I could be like, you know, hey, I know everything. You just need to listen to me by virtue of my office as coach. Yeah. But no, it's like, hey, at one point I was a high school kid, you know, and I told him that. And I said, I know exactly what y'all are dealing with, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just wanted to bring that up because, you know, being coachable or or having a learning spirit. Yeah. You need that to be humble. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's an example, a manifestation of humility, but also for the person who's trying to teach. Mm-hmm. be gentle in the way you're teaching yeah right let all your let all your speech be seasoned with salt it says in colossians yeah. right realize you learned what you know from someone else at some point exactly <laughs> right uh the next manifestation of humility uh number 16 is seeking always to build up others this is in ephesians four twenty nine. humble people encourage others they use only words that build up and say what is necessary for the edification of others they never cut others down. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we're struggling with pride, it's a very it's tempting to tear others down to raise yourself up because mm-hmm. you're insecure in your pride. But man, when your identity's in Christ and you realize how much you need from the Lord, it gives you the freedom to try to encourage and build others up in Christ. Mm. You know, you want to you want to see people do well. You want to see people grow. You want to see people live out their God-given gifts and talents. Mm. And you're okay if it means they get more shine than you get, right? That's so funny. You know, and death and life is in the power of the tongue, right? Yeah. I mean, Proverbs does tell us that and and you know, I, we unfortunately we hear people say speak life and they use it quite out of context, but this is telling us like the word is that is used is let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Like the words that I speak to you, Chad, can either give you grace, according to this, right? Can be grace-filled, mm-hmm. right? Because if I'm speaking the words of God or if I'm speaking what is pleasing in God's sight, God works through those things, right? Mm-hmm. But if I'm speaking like from a place of pride and fleshly humanity, you know, and, and sin, mm-hmm dude that produces death you know mm-hmm. that that is that is a corrupting influence in Absolutely. the heart of another person you Absolutely. know it, we got to be careful with that because unfortunately that that doctrine if you will has been pretty abused right like you can't speak things into existence but you can certainly influence things with your words mm-hmm. right and so i think that's underneath what we're getting at there is is like hey understand the power of your speech right mm-hmm. and glorify god with your mouth mm-hmm. Absolutely. that's all i want to say yeah thank you <laughs> That's good. That's good. Very good. And this includes things like sarcasm. I'm guilty of that. You know, people, sarcasm has a little bit of truth uh, cloaked in a joke Mm -hmm. so that you don't have to deal with the repercussions of what you said. Like, if you have something that you need to say to someone, sit down genuinely and honestly and say it. Otherwise, don't say it. That's right. Don't use 
joking as a way to say something that you really would need to say. Right. Even in Proverbs, I forgot the exact word, but we read it when we were doing our study in Proverbs. Mm-hmm. Essentially, don't make light of evil by saying something that's corrupting or wicked and yeah. then say, I'm only joking. Right. Right. You're making light of evil. Right. Which produces death. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Right. And it's hurtful to others. It is. All right. Next manifestation is serving. We see this in Galatians 5.13. But humble people are on the lookout for ways to serve and assist others. They are the first to volunteer for jobs no one else wants. They take the initiative to reach out and serve others. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Mm -hmm. So serving. You know, and this is a good... Um, test for yourself. Are you one who seeks ways to serve others? Mm. Or are you constantly looking for ways to be served or you'll only serve when it's convenient for you? If I may just put it in a matter of priority for people for a second. If you are married, focus on serving your wife before serving other people. There you go. Start there. Good call. Then, if you have children, work your way down to that level. Right. And then... Move outside the home. Right. <laughs> Start with the wife. Yeah. And then, and even deeper, like, I mean, think about this, like the woman, I'm going to the gospels now. Think about the woman that had the alabaster jar of perfume mm-hmm. and broke it and, you know, poured it on Jesus' feet. Like she served the Lord. Yeah. And he even, he even said like, wherever the gospel is told, this story is going to be in it, you know? Yeah. Um, so we can even serve, like truly serve the Lord, which is a staggering concept to think about because he doesn't need anything from us. But he allows us to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's very valuable. Yeah. It's very absolutely. valuable. Absolutely. Well, the next manifestation, number 18, Proverbs twenty nine twenty three, is our supporting verse, is a humble per- person has a quickness in admitting when you are wrong. A quickness in admitting when you're wrong. Humble people have no problem with saying, I was wrong. You were right. Thank you for telling me. Proverbs twenty nine twenty three says, One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Yeah. This goes back with being teachable. You know, you're not always going to be right. Right. You should actually assume that there's going to be a lot of times when you are wrong. And so when someone else has the right answer or makes a good point, be quick to say, that's, that's good. You're mm-hmm. right. I didn't know that. You know, I'm thinking about the classroom example with kids in elementary school or high school, you know, or even college for that for that matter, who, you know, whenever the teacher says, does anyone have any questions? It's like probably half the que- half the class has questions, but like no one wants to sound quote unquote stupid. You know? <laughs> right. It's like this pride is keeping us from understanding deeper, you know, mm-hmm. um, that just popped up into my head, you yeah. know, it's like, hey, it's okay to ask a question, you know, right, right. <laughs> that's why the teacher's asking. Yeah. It's okay to be wrong. That's right. You will be wrong. It's okay to ask a quote-unquote stupid question, too. Yeah. You know? It's like, well, at least we know that's not a question we need to ask anymore, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we can get better. Right. Um, the next manifestation, number 19, our supporting verse here is Colossians three twelve through 14. And this one is, A humble person has a quickness in granting and asking for forgiveness. A quickness in granting and asking for forgiveness. Humble people are eager to, for, eager to forgive because they know how much they have been forgiven. They have no trouble asking for forgiveness because they want to be peacemakers. Which one is it again? Colossians 3 what? 12 through 14. All right, 12 through 14 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, 
compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Yeah. Man, I love that. Yeah. That's powerful stuff. You got the fivefold um, character traits right there. You've got compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, Mm -hmm. all tied together by a deliberate ascent of the will to love, Mm -hmm. right? That's love in the biblical term. Right. Like you've just made a decision that I'm going to love people the mm-hmm. way that Christ loved me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because I was lovable. Right. I, in fact, I was not lovable mm-hmm. and I'm still not, right? It's because he decided to love me. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right. He made a decision of his will to love me right. and, and die for me. And be, yeah, forgiving others as you've been forgiven. And when you realize the amount that you've been forgiven, man, it makes it much easier to forgive other people. Totally. Totally. But it takes humility to realize that, right? It does. The next one, number 20, 1 John 1, 9 is our reference here. But humble people repent of sin as a way of life. Repenting of sin as a way of life. A humble person asks God daily for forgiveness and works toward real change. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, this is the realization that you're sinful and you need to continually repent of that sin. Repenting meaning turning away from. So confessing it to the Lord, asking for forgiveness and renewing the mind and what's right and what's good and beginning to act out in obedience the things of the Lord. Yeah, this just reminds me of John 13 where Jesus said to Peter, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. That's why he said, you are not all clean. Yeah. But, you know, Jesus took on the form of a slave there, and he was washing the feet of his disciples mm-hmm. while they were arguing over who the greatest is in the kingdom. <laughs> and Judas is about to be possessed by Satan and kill him. I mean, it's a pretty gnarly scene, yeah. right? And here's Jesus being humble, right, serving, serving his disciples. Yeah. And um, and Peter goes, oh, well, you're not going to wash my feet, Jesus. No, God forbid, right? right. And Jesus, Jesus says, if... Uh, you're not clean by me. You've got no part in me. And he goes, well, wash my whole body. It could just dunk me. Right. (laughs) And Jesus goes, no, 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 Peter, you're already clean. Right. You just need to wash your feet. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's symbolic of our Christian life. Right. Mm -hmm. We are saved, i.e. clean. Okay. But there is sin that easily entangles us, Mm -hmm. easily entangles us. Mm -hmm. And we need to confess. Remember homologeo, I said that in our last podcast. We need to say the same thing as God about our sin. Mm -hmm. That's what confession is. It is an agreeing with God. You can pay lip service all day long. You can go to a confession booth. Father, I have sinned, right? And if there's there's no real heart change there, it just Mm -hmm. becomes cold and mechanical, right? Mm -hmm. God, I've sinned again. It's like, well, yeah, he sees that. He knows that. Mm -hmm. Is your heart different yet? You know? Right. Um, The point is, is that, a Christian is not made morally perfect, okay? We are being made into the image of Christ, and we mm-hmm. won't get that image complete until we get glorification, until Christ comes back and finally puts puts sin and the devil and, and death away in the lake of fire and then just destroys this whole creation and recreates a new one, a new heaven and a new earth, and then dwells with us 
as our God, right? Mm-hmm. That is when we will be with God in glory. And so until that day happens, we must confess our sin right. regularly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Um, number 21, our next one here. This is, this is in Matthew 7, verses 3 through 4. And a humble person minimizes others' sins or shortcomings in comparison to our own. Minimizing other sins or shortcomings in comparison to your own. A humble person thinks about his own sin more often than others' sin. He also sees his own sin as more important to deal with than the sin of others. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Mm -hmm. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Yeah. That's pretty insightful there. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't say, don't point out the speck. Mm. It's saying, when you're dealing with your own sin rightly and humbly, you'll be able to see more clearly the right way to help someone else with the speck in their own eye. That's so good. Right? And so, yes, you think more about your own sin than you think about other people's sin. You don't walk around like, how dare they? How could they? Right. It's like, man, I... I'm thinking this today. I'm sinning yeah. this way today. You know, I need to confess my own sin today. I need to. I need the Lord's grace today. Yeah, which then puts us in an attitude of man. I want to show compassion and grace to those around me too. Amen. The next one, number twenty-two, being genuinely glad for others is a manifestation of humility. We see this in Romans twelve fifteen, being genuinely glad for others. Humble people rejoice with others. When good things happen because they are aware that God has blessed them immeasurably and they trust God for what they do not have. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. It says live in harmony with one another. Yeah, rejoice with those who rejoice. Yes. Don't be jealous. Don't don't have the comparison game. Don't say, woe is me. God never gives me anything good. You know, (laughs) I mean, how many people have that attitude? Like, well, I'll, I'll pretend to be happy for my brother or my sister, but... I'm really kind of disappointed I don't have anything like right. that. Right. It's like, nah, be genuinely happy for your brother. And because you know that God's given you your lot in life and right. he's given you what you need and you're running your race, they're running theirs. You want them to be happy for you. You want to be happy for them. Right? Yeah. Ecclesiastes says, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. Mm-hmm. But in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one day as he has the other. That's right. Right. He's made them both. All right, last two. Number 23. We see this in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Number 23. Be, being honest and open about who they are and the areas in which they need growth. This is a humble person. Being honest and open about who they are and the areas in which they need growth. Humble people are open and honest about their growth in the Lord. They ask for help and accountability in the in the repentance process, knowing they need their brothers and sisters. Philippians 3, starting at verse 10, just to set the context, Paul says that I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, and I want to share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus made me his own Mm -hmm. brothers i do not consider that i have made it my own but one thing i do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead 
I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, this is a race, an endurance race that we're all running. Right. Um, Shout out to the Endurathon, uh, March yeah. 18th, 19th, and 20th. That's Belgium. right. That's right. <laughs> Fountain Blue State Park. Come join us. Go to our website, check it out. Yeah. But yeah, we, <laughs> as Christians, are honest with ourselves about our sin. And we know, man, iron sharpens iron, as the Bible says. I need to study the word with other believers. I need mm-hmm. people to hold me accountable. I need help to grow. Yeah. You know? I mean, even like you look at like Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, just, just to start the road of recovery mm-hmm. in that in that system, you have to admit that you're powerless over your alcoholism. Like in Christianity, right? The path to salvation begins with the recognition of your own desolate condition before a holy God. Mm-hmm. You see? So it's like humility is the base of transformation. That's right. Every time. Every time. Well, last but not least, and hopefully this has been helpful for people, is we see this in Acts 20, verses 31 through 38. Humble people possess close relationships. Humble people have friends and loved ones because they are friendly and love others. They're willing to ask for help with various burdens and problems they may have. Verses what? 31 through 38? Mm -hmm. Therefore, be alert. Remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish every one of you with tears. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders, by the way. Mm-hmm. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands minister to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, We must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said all these things, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. And there was much weeping on the part of all. for They embraced Paul and they kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all, because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. Hmm. And they accompanied, accompanied him to the ship. Yeah. Humble people don't do this life alone. Mm. They embrace the body of Christ, submit themselves to a local body with elders who care for them and teach the word, and they invest in one another and disciple one another Mm. and do life with one another and encourage one another and all the one another's of Scripture. Yeah. And you should have close friends. Mm. Remember in the prideful manifestations, uh, prideful people tend to be lonely or have Mm. surface relationships because you won't allow people to see who you really are Mm. a humble person lets people in knows they need help know they need instruction know they need to be challenged in their faith and they're kind and loving to the others around them and therefore you should have close friends Mm -hmm. that you love dearly of course we shouldn't make an idol out of having lots of friends (laughs) no of course not i would i would say that you know, there is something inherently attractive about humility, Mm -hmm. right? Like people are drawn to it because it's so rare. Oh yeah. You know, it's so uncommon, especially, you know, in in our, in our culture today, um, we have the selfie generation. Look at me and look at what I'm trying to sell you and all these things. Look at my life. Look at my life. But it's, um, it isn't inherently attractive, uh, because it's divine. It's godly when it comes from the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, we hope that this has benefited you. I know it certainly benefited me, Chad. Mm-hmm. I've learned a lot um, yeah, just from doing this series. 
Um, and so we always want to encourage you here on this podcast as well as to educate you mm-hmm. um, of what the Bible says and, and how to live a life that is worthy of the calling that you received in the Lord Jesus Christ, if indeed you are saved. If you're not saved, we encourage you, get into the Bible. See who this man named Jesus was. See the things that he said. You know, Chad, I was I was uh, getting a massage the other day, and uh, <laughs> I feel bad for people who are stuck in a room with me for an hour because <laughs> they're going to hear the gospel at some point, you know, that's, I don't really feel bad. It's just, you know, yeah. I don't know what else to say, but we're having this conversation about Jesus, right? Yeah. And this person, you know, they had grown up going to a particular church around here. That's quite large. And they were hurt by a lot of people in that church. And mm-hmm. according to this own person's testimony about this particular church, there was nothing but hypocrites in it. And I thought, man, that is just so sad, mm-hmm. but it's so true. It's so true that I have heard since I've moved to Louisiana, I've heard that from more people than I can remember mm-hmm. about how they were hurt by the church, about how there was hypocrites. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, wherever you find people, you're going to find sin. Mm-hmm. OK. But what do you believe about Jesus? Mm-hmm. Oh, he's a good moral teacher and he preached peace and love. I said, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, he also claimed to be God. She said, of course, I know that I've read the Bible before. I said, well, what do you think about that? Well, I don't think he was telling the truth. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when he was saying that he is the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, you don't believe he was telling the truth. And she, this person didn't really answer that question. Yeah. And it reminded me of the words of C.S. Lewis. And I'm saying all this because I know we have unbelievers that listen to this. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ is one of three things. He's either demon-possessed, mm-hmm. which the Pharisees claimed he was, right. and he shattered that publicly. Mm-hmm. He's a lunatic, yeah, a megalomaniac, a narcissistic freak, mm-hmm. or he's God. Right. You got to figure out which one he is. And let me just encourage you that the Bible has stood the test of time. It would stand up in a court of law. It is eyewitness testimony. Mm-hmm. It has been historically verified. And there's tons of archaeological evidence that goes to show that everything that is said in the Bible has in fact existed and was how it was described during the time period in which it's being described. Yeah. So there's enough evidence. That's right. I would encourage you, get to know the Lord Jesus Christ and cry out for his mercy. Mm. That's what we want to encourage you if you do not believe. Mm-hmm. But we thank you for listening to another episode of the Nehemiah Project podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast. For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life-controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985-205-3022.